we wanted to make this market really liquid, very structured, make it so anybody can come and buy 100 credits if they need or 10,000 credits or 100,000 uh, from single or multiple projects in forward credits specifically or prepaid credits as we call them. And uh, at the same time, they will know that the price is fair. It's based on market, not on negotiation skills. Alberto here, and this is The Pitch. The Pitch is a weekly show where I interview founders from early stage startups to analyze their businesses. We'll cover the problem, solution, potential market size, team, and more. Since in my day-to-day I lead business development at Atom, a startup making buying and retiring carbon credits simple and transparent, I decided to dedicate this season to carbon startups. Join me in this journey, learning what founders are building to fight climate change. Today's guest is Stanver Jerku, founder and CEO of SolidWorld. Before founding SolidWorld, Stanver was an early employee at Glia, an Estonian fintech unicorn, and founded Iagronom, helping farmers become regenerative farmers and monetize their impact. I'm looking forward to chat with him in this elevator ride. Hi, Stanver. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. Hey, Alberto. How are you doing? Great to be here. Thank you for inviting. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time and coming. I'm doing great. uh, And I'm really excited for our chat today and for learning more about what you're building over there. So to get us started, would you like to give me an elevator pitch of what you're building at SolidWorks? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, SolidWorld is basically a commodity financing solution that is truly liquid and transparent. Or what it means, if I had to explain it to a grandma, is that we basically help people reforest lands, restore mangroves, do good carbon projects and do good for the environment and help them get funded. And at the same time, on the other end of the spectrum, we make sure that all the suppliers, the or sorry, distributors like marketplaces like Adam.Earth have the supply. They can sell to their customers in a structured, liquid, fair manner that is extremely transparent and has all the information they need to match the deals. Hmm. Amazing. That that makes a lot of sense. How did you come around building this? And like, what is the problem you're trying to solve and why wasn't the existing ecosystem right for solving this in your view so so those those are two very different questions but i'll i think i'll start with uh, how did we come to the problem because i think that has a lot more like uh, color to it so the previous company i i founded was called the acronym it's a leading climate company in central eastern europe uh, and we basically turned farmers into soil farmers through regenerative farming. Uh, they could get carbon credits for that, Vera certified carbon credits. And um, what we discovered is that from the moment the farmers implement their changes to the moment where they can actually generate certificates and make money, it can take them like three to five years. That's a really long time. And... Uh, I was set out in eAgronom to try and solve that issue. Uh, one thing led to another, and I soon discovered everybody literally has that issue. Almost all the projects out there which try to do good for climate, which try to restore the nature, they need capital in the beginning of their life cycle, not in five years when big chunk of the work has already been done. So the question is, how do you fund that? And at this current state, the market has failed to fund these projects. The market is completely illiquid. It's very, it's something we call like a medieval bartering economy, honestly, 
because there's no public price signals out there that are based on truly liquid and transparent market. There's uh, all the deals are done behind closed doors through OTC sales. And it's uh, very hard to match the needs of investors and the needs of the suppliers. Uh, it's very inefficient and slow, and we wanted to fix that. We wanted to make this market truly really liquid, very structured, make it so anybody can come and buy 100 credits if they need, or 10,000 credits or 100,000 uh, from single or multiple projects in forward credits specifically, or prepaid credits as we call them. And uh, at the same time, they will know that the price is fair. It's based on market, not on negotiation skills and the information asymmetry. Because right now, a lot of investors are held back by the state of market. It's very hard for them to get into it. Uh, often, the deeper they start getting, the more questions they get. And they soon find out if they want to succeed in this market, they need to specialize on this market. But we're we're kind of solving that layer for them. We're making truly liquid, transparent market. You can think of it like a NASDAQ, essentially. NASDAQ, the stock exchange, it's very liquid. Everybody can uh, participate in there. If there's more demand, the price goes up. If there's uh, not enough demand, the price goes down. And the market is constantly correcting itself based on public market signals. Mm -hmm. And this makes it accessible to most people. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's 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 the problem we started set out to solve and uh, okay, that's that that makes that makes sense and like what do you think is the like kind of how how does this problem manifest itself now? Is it that like interesting projects uh, don't get off the ground because they can't find funding or is that only big project developers uh, uh, are able to develop projects. Uh, and so it's like the pool of people that could actually start their own project is limited. Both, both are right. So I personally know like the biggest landlord in Estonia who's told me that he wants to do a reforestation project and he's been trying to do it for five years and he can't get it started because like he can't put together a PNL. He, he, he hears carbon prices for like $5 to like $50. And it's like, where does the roof lie? Like, I'm not sure how much I'm getting. And the truth is that, honestly, you at the current state of the market, you got to set the price and try to sell it. And you basically just got to do enterprise sales. But that's incredibly inefficient and incredibly hard to do. So it holds back supply and it also holds back investors. I already talked about that part a bit uh, before as well. So the problem manifests in multiple ways. And, the, and, and the, what I think ultimately how it manifests is that people are very confused by the market. The market has a lot of conflicting information, what is good, what is bad. The public has, you know, uh, definitely lost a lot of trust in the market in the past, like uh, six to 12 months because of these bad media articles that have come up on greenwashing. And it's kind of funny that the, an industry that's supposed to be based on transparency and on everybody uh, credibility and trust has turned out to be one of the least transparent industries out there. And 
yeah, that's not how we believe it can succeed in the long run. If it wants to scale, it needs to change and become radically transparent, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, that makes sense. And you realize it once you are in it and you work in, into the carbon industry and you realize that we should like, should be the industry saving the world. And it's so like hard to understand what's actually going on. <laughs> I, I get you there. Um, amazing. I think yeah, we- exactly. I think we dig deeper on the on the problem. Um, I would love to hear about your solution, what you're building, and like kind of uh, how does it solve this issue uh, in detail? What is it exactly? Yeah, so we're we're solving one very specific piece of the puzzle, and that is liquidity layer. And functionally, what we're doing, we're using a technology called automated market maker or AMM, as it's uh, often recognized. And what it functionally does is that it uh, puts out a completely transparent market price for prepaid credits and suppliers see that price and uh, if they like it, they can sell to the pool. So functionally, the liquidity pool buys up prepaid credits ahead of time at a discount at completely transparent market prices from the suppliers. Then we structure the deal and we are really radically transparent. I mean, all our contracts even that we sign with our suppliers are publicly available and the due diligence documents and everything. And we structure the deal and we immediately in the same second uh, listed for sale the very same credit that was just bought and now offer it to our distributors, for example, to Adam.Earth. So... The distributors can look at this deal, they can offer it to their clients, they can list it on their platform. And uh, the way we think about it is like, we want to be like the NASDAQ, while the other players are like Robin Hoods or interactive brokers, if that makes sense. So we, we don't build like corporate relationship ourselves. If, uh, if uh, corporate comes to us, then we actually rather give this lead to our, one of our partners so they can make the sale and, and we'd rather work with distributors who are professionals and uh, really know what they're doing and can guide through the client about the project and everything like that. But this entire machine needs liquidity to work. It's Liquidity is like an oil for that machine to work. And that's the third counterparty we have in our system. And that's something we call liquidity provider. And this is where... Uh, it's a huge innovation that's not seen very much in traditional industry. Liquidity providers put capital in the, in our pool and they earn around 14% variable interest rate for providing their capital. And their capital is made to create this liquid buy and sell side on the market. Their capital creates the underlying market. So the first pool we launched is Vera mangrove restoration pool where more than 50% of the proceeds are redistributed back to the local community. We're already working on our second pool, which will likely be uh, gold standard cook stoves, uh, but it's uh, not completely out there in public yet. And uh, we'll set up more and more pools. One of the key things that most people don't understand about carbon credits is that carbon credits are like metals. There is no such thing as carbon credit that's equal to another carbon credit. A carbon credit is just like an asset class, but each carbon credit has categories, just like metals have gold, silver, bronze, iron. Carbon credits have hydrocarbon, solar panel carbon, reforestation, mangrove restoration, machines which suck carbon out of the air, and they're completely different. They have different benefits, 
side benefits besides sucking carbon. They have different prices, they have different quality metrics, and they have different other community benefits that they provide to our society. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so you're focusing on this like forward uh, part of the market, right? And providing liquidity. Uh, how does the flow look like? I, I have a, a land and I want to restore it. Let's say it's a, I can do mangrove restoration. Uh, I can come to your platform and like create an account and send some documents and I get the credit or like how's the how's the flow for a landowner or a wannabe project developer? Yeah, so you come to us and then uh, you uh, send us some materials about your project. Usually we need you to be uh, at least register the project in a reputable registry, like in our mangrove restoration case, Vera. Or if you're a new the project developer, uh, sorry, experienced project developer, we're willing to take you on earlier as well at the planting stage. And uh, then you start going through our due diligence. We ask a lot of questions from you and we do something called CRISP report, which is something I haven't talked about yet. So we developed the framework. It's an AI-enabled uh, framework that gives the net forward risk score on every carbon credit based on the sum of risk factors. The risk factors are like carbon risk, climate risk, team risk, policy and legal risk, financial risk. All these risk factors and the way we assess these projects are available also on public on our website. Uh, anybody can read them. It's incredibly advanced way how to assess the forward delivery risk of these projects. The only one of its kind in the world that's publicly available. Insurance companies are adopting it, just to give you an idea how advanced it is. So you go through this uh, due diligence process and the CRISP report uh, is generated for your project. And now this CRISP report is given to somebody called uh, the seven curators, uh, sorry, the seven guardians. The seven guardians are the seven biggest liquidity providers in our liquidity pool. They have the uh, skin in the game because they own position in that uh, prepaid liquidity pool. Uh, It's in their interest to protect the quality of the pool. So they will take the information that has come out from the due diligence about your project, and then they can veto any project. Uh, that tries to access the pool. If it goes through the curation council, then after that, you're told how much credits you can uh, tokenize on our platform. You have to give guaranteed delivery, you have to give first delivery, and the amount of credits you can tokenize is based on our GRISP report. We limit the amount you can pre-sell based on the GRISP report. We're quite conservative over there, way more conservative than most project developers in their BDD predictions. Uh, but once you're approved and you sign agreements, you now have a guaranteed sales channel with no exclu- exclusivity. So you can sell to us and you can do OTC deals on the site as well. And whenever you like the price, you can sell 10 credits, 100 credits, 10,000 credits, 10,005 credits, whatever amount you need to fund your operations. And this has a price impact and drives down the market price. That's how simple it is. And uh, you sell until you don't like the price anymore. And then on the flip side, you have distributors like uh, Adam Tadurf that uh, notices this project starts offering to their clients. And, uh, you know, the more, you, uh, the more deals they do, the more the price goes up. 
which makes it more attractive for suppliers to sell to the pool again. So what starts happening in effect that this uh, it creates a truly liquid market where if price is too high, suppliers sell to the pool, driving down the price. If price is too low, then Atom will start successfully making deals uh, and uh, driving up the price. And liquidity providers in the middle, they earn the interest for getting rewarded for their capital, basically. And they're at the same time literally supporting expanding operations for these environmentally good projects. Mm -hmm. Okay. And who's your uh, target customer? So you mentioned you work with project developers. Is there specific subcategories and also kind of why, what is their motivation to go with you, even if it's not exclusive, but even like to go through the process of working with you compared to the usual approach? So there's basically three types of target customers we have. We have suppliers, we have distributors, and we have liquidity providers. Suppliers, we already talked about a little bit, and they don't have to be necessarily uh, project developers. They could be also traders or investors who have invested in a project and then want to uh, sell to the pool or do some other operations with our pool. So... The reason why they would want to come to us is, first of all, we have very standardized due diligence that goes available to the public. So once it gets accepted to the pool, it's a clear signal on the market that somebody's interested in that project and there's a price for that project as well. This may uh, might make it easier to do other OTC deals because they can demonstrate demand. And it's also non-exclusive sales channel. So whenever the price is attractive, you know they can just sell to the pool. So it's it's really like a very flexible, open-ended deal that provides very standardized and public materials. Right now, when you're a project developer and you need to do due diligence process for investors, every investor has separate process. You need to create a lot of one-off documents. Most investors have very different things they're looking at and don't have standardized process for carbon projects because, frankly, they're not carbon investors. So we kind of standardize it provide very clear market signals and combine that, it will likely make it easier for the uh, project developers to raise capital in the future. But on top of that, you know, we put the 24-7 bid on the market. Nobody else does it. We always say what price we're willing to buy your credits. And if you like the price, you just sell. And that's not something you find in the market. It's usually very hard to match the needs of the suppliers and investors because investors want a certain amount of credits while suppliers want completely another amount of credits. Then we have distributors uh, who we actually put uh, a lot more effort on focusing on. This is like Adam.Earth, but could be other marketplaces, brokers, traders, and we offer them inventory, structured inventory 24-7 with uh, transparent prices and very transparent due diligence and deal terms. So these distributors, as we call them, they they can like always take our supply and sell it to their clients or investors. They can put the markup on the price if they want. They can also sell it under us under white label. They don't have to say that they used our services. So basically, we provide very structured prepaid inventory that's liquid and that the price is fair. And you can buy in the exact amounts that you're interested and match it with your client needs. As far as I know, there's 
currently nobody else that offers anything like this uh, out there uh, with the same level of transparency that we have. And uh, then we have liquidity providers. Liquidity providers are investors who are interested in supporting these environmental causes while they want to uh, get rewarded compelling yields. And we offer around 14% variable APR. Uh, the, and they also have exposure to the markets. So if carbon markets keep going up, then they get uh, exposure to that as well. Uh, so it's very hands-off way how to participate in uh, helping environmental causes while uh, democratizing access to this for pretty much everybody. We're also working on ensuring the whole underlying supply, which will probably happen by the end of the year. So that removes the biggest risk in the pool, which is the liver risk. And yeah, uh, those are the three counterparties we have. Okay. Um, yeah, you uh, mentioned uh, market, the kind of the rising uh, carbon markets. Uh, and so I would really love to hear your thoughts on uh, kind of, there is a lot out there about how big the carbon markets are going to be in the future. Carbon credits are a big thing, but you're focusing on a specific part of it, which is the forward side for now at least. To understand, like, in your view, how big is the market for forward financing and how do you see that changing? Uh, because I mean, a few years ago, nobody even was buying carbon credits. Now people buy carbon credits and now buying forward, it's kind of a next step. So uh, how do you see that market evolving and how big is it? Yeah, well, the primary market for uh, carbon credits is uh, $26 billion annually, right? Which is way bigger than the secondary market, which is around $2 billion. And uh, and it's uh, most of the deals are actually done in forward markets, but the issue is that it's uh, incredibly untransparent at this stage. Forward markets are way more closed than spot markets, and are, we are working on opening up these forward markets and making them accessible and liquid and transparent for everybody. We believe this will drive more investments and more trust and better projects in the space. We see the market growth happening, uh, especially like in the beginning of year, there was something called Cardigan article. Uh, in case uh, somebody doesn't know, it was like an article from Cardigan, which basically said that 90% of Vera Red Plus credits are bad. Uh, this impacted the market a lot. It, uh, as a whole, slowed the market down a bit. But what it also did uh, very successfully is it happened to have like an upstream effect on the market. So the demand was pushed towards higher quality categories like uh, reforestation removals or mangrove restoration removals and so on. And uh, yeah, we see that continuing in uh, prepaid markets as well. We're very hesitant on uh, taking uh, setting up pools for, while we don't want to be seen as arbitragers of quality, we do definitely look at like what types of credits might even have potential in the future, right? So uh, some types of credits you simply never want to hold as a forward because, you know, um, probably there is no forward market for these credits because they were just created as a side effect of uh, another project, uh, which naturally makes it a very low quality project as well because they're not really additional. So... So, yeah, we, we are focusing more on the upstream side of the market. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and talking about uh, your specific situation and, uh, and traction, 
Uh, how do you know that that solid word you're like kind of building in the right direction? Is there a number you look at and say, okay, uh, we are we are on the right track. Uh, let's keep pushing. We're gonna get there. Yeah, we basically have two most important KPIs. It's very simple. One is TVL, how much uh, liquidity is in our liquidity pools. So anybody can come and stake in our pools and uh, get rewarded 14% while supporting this uh, mango restoration, for example. And uh, the other is volumes. So uh, how much of the underlying prepaid credits are bought out from the pool and... Uh, you know, sold to their clients or hold or whatever other operation is done. So these are the two KPIs, volumes and TVL. And as we increase those, we know we're on the right track. Amazing. And talking about competition uh, and those out there, uh, who do you see as your competitor? And basically kind of uh, how was the world working before SolidWorld? Yep. Well, there's tons of other carbon exchanges out there, uh, no doubt about that. But uh, most of them don't have uh, deep liquidity. If you look at their order books, then the order books are incredibly thin. So they don't actually support uh, liquid transactions at all. And if you want to make a deal, you actually have to go and make OTC deal. And then the volumes are just funneled through the exchange. So it's very hard to use these exchanges as your liquidity backend. And they try to be standalone and try to hold the entire market as well. So we clearly differentiate from them with deep liquidity and also by the fact that uh, we, we don't compete with selling to corporates ourselves. Uh, the, the second uh, thing is that uh, uh, are, there are like a couple of blockchain players out there who have the potential to be our competitors. So far, they haven't uh, decided to go uh, start doing exactly what we're doing, like creating deeply liquid markets uh, for prepaid credits. So at this point, we do have the first mover advantage over here. Uh, so on the blockchain side, uh, we're currently leading the markets. The, cl the closest and most similar thing, I would say, to a real competitor that we have is something called NCT or PCT, uh, uh, sorry, not NCT, give me, it was, I'm sorry, I just uh, literally uh, came uh, came back from uh, vacation. So I'm, uh, NGO was the name I was looking for, <laughs> NGO contracts or GEO contracts. Mm -hmm. So these are futures contracts uh, on CPL, but the clear difference we had between these uh, NGO or geo contracts is that, uh, first of all, their futures, not prepaid credits. So that's fundamentally different. Futures have, you know, uh, their price curve is always up because uh, of the inventory and, uh, and uh, there's no delivery risk over there. Prepaid credits are way more efficient from investor standpoint because you can always get in at a discount and uh, there's a lot more upside over there. Uh, and, and second is that there's, uh, they're not deeply liquid either, which is a very big thing. And third is they're very untransparent. Traders call them kinder surprises. So you never know what you're going to get unless you actually buy it and wait for delivery. Whereas in our case, you can pick out exactly what you want from the pool. 
That makes that makes a lot of sense. And um, talking about your team, uh, what makes you? Uh, what do you think makes your team the right one to build what you're building? We we have over twenty years of combined experience in the carbon markets and uh, over a decade of experience in the web free markets. Uh, I, I personally ran a company before uh, eAgnom, which turned farmers into regenerative farmers. Uh, ran it for seven years. Now it's continuing doing its own thing, fully exited now. Uh, I got into blockchain in 2013, and I've been in venture-backed tech businesses for more than a decade, including early employees in, in some unicorns. And my co-founder, he uh, has AI, data science background, uh, Al Willem. Uh, he's uh, written lots of open source contributions to the carbon space. Uh, for example, if you look at some of the biggest media outlets over there, which sell carbon price information and market statistics, most of them are based on my co-founder's open source Jupyter Notebooks. So if you're actually looking around, you can actually find all, a lot of that information for free as well that they sell for 10k a year. And uh, yeah, he was also the reason why, for example, uh, it came out that lots of bad carbon credits were being brought on chain in three days because he created the analytics part. So he's done lots of open source contributions to the space. He's done venture studios and he's uh, really like a big fan of the space. And uh, we also have XP0 employees uh, who run our risk team. We have excellent blockchain team, for example, who have worked on DYDX and so on. So yeah, we have exactly the right amount of competence to understand both carbon space, blockchain space, and how those things work together. And I think that's incredibly rare. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that sounds like, like a great team. Um, yeah, I think we covered the problem, uh, your solution. Um, the market sounds really interesting. Seems like you're the right people to solve it. Uh, but in any startup, otherwise there wouldn't be startups that are, that are risks at uh, what do you think are the major risks and challenges uh, Solid World could face? For us, there's one thing that's always going to stick is the delivery risk, which is why we put so much effort into minimizing that part. That is why we created our AI-enabled risk framework as well, because we need to make sure that uh, those credits that are bought in the pool get delivered as well. That's why we're getting insurance to the pool. That's why we have the whole curation process. Being in forward markets can be very rewarding, but it can also have bad repercussions if your due diligence fails. So we put tons of information into minimizing our delivery risk. Uh, that's, that's, I would say, the biggest thing there is. But other than that, uh, there's also risk of uh, uh, can we get the TVL up? Can we get the volumes up? Uh, and all these standard questions you have as a startup, but we're here to prove that we can. We're already so successfully setting up a second pool. Uh, I hope that in a few weeks or months, you'll be able to see it yourself. And uh, yeah, volumes. Uh, looking forward for the next uh, first uh, bigger deal to happen. So. Amazing. Yeah, that's, uh, that sounds uh, like some challenges there. But uh, yeah, as I was saying before, seem right, seem like the right people to, to tackle this. Um, yeah, was great uh, chatting with you today. And thank you very much for taking the time. 
Uh, yeah, it was great to have you on. Uh, looking forward to chat again uh, when some big news happen over there. That was really a great chat. Learning how SolidWorld is working to make trading carbon credits more accessible and open. Even though the carbon market can be tough to navigate, it was clear Stanford has a strong vision on how to increase transparency. I'm excited to see how they grow the amount of money in their pools and trading activity over time. This gave a helpful look into a part of the solution for climate change that most people don't hear about. If you liked the episode, share it with your friends and leave a review. Thank you again for listening. See you next time.